Hi everyone, I'm Amber Rose, the Religious Hippie, and welcome to A Catholic's Perspective. For those of you just finding this podcast, let me tell you a little about myself. I was born and raised a cradle Catholic until I fell away from the church for eight years. I just recently came back to the church and I could not be happier with where I am today. I am currently a junior in college and I'm studying graphic design. I am an ambassador for multiple amazing Catholic Christian companies and I love working with all of them. Now, some of you may already know me from my popular religious hippie social media channels, such as TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I have all kinds of Catholic content on there, so don't forget to go check those out. So the reason I wanted to start a podcast was so that I'd be able to have a longer format which people could listen to from wherever they are. I particularly wanted to address issues that young Catholics face today in the secular world, and I want to do that by providing information along with commentary and even a little of my own opinion. I can't lie, from time to time I might be discussing very controversial issues, and some will find my opinions unappealing. But I do this out of my faith and service to God. We must keep communicating with each other, respecting each other, and put each other on the path to sainthood. I think you'll enjoy the podcasts coming up, and I thank you for being here with me. Hi everyone, and welcome back to my podcast. If you're new here, welcome. I'm Amber Rose, also known as The Religious Hippie, and today I am joined with my producer, Todd Fisher. Welcome. Hi, Amber. How are you? I'm good. How about you? Pretty good, pretty good. I think uh, this is our first podcast of the new year. Yeah, I think one of them. I think ours went out on... um... Yeah, actually, that's very accurate. Yeah, we recorded everything in December for that we put out already for this year. Yeah, I forgot about uh, that. This is our first time really chatting since we've gotten into the new year. So it's exciting. It's been been an interesting year so far. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Lots of stuff has happened. (laughs) You know, I, uh, at New Year's, I put, um, I, I've got people that know me, you know, I've got a little bit of a dark sense of humor and uh, I put a little, uh, you know, happy new year 2021 picture up on my Instagram and it was like an apocalyptic setting. (laughs) I mean, it's fitting. It's very fitting for what's been going on. It's so good. I would have never, and people, and I got a lot of uh, feedback about that. Not all great. You know, oh, you should be more positive going into the new year. It's going to be a great year. We're going to put 2020 behind us. And then just days later, there's a Capitol riot. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, surprise people. We called it. Yeah, yeah, it's like, well, this is welcome to the first week of the new year. Welcome back in today's episode. <laughs> first, first episode of 2021, right? It's, it's, the, it's the reality show called Earth. Yes, honestly, it's broadcasting from everywhere. I think Earth everywhere is a, a mess. I think Earth is getting canceled. <laughs> just, just a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> Well, you know, it, it, it's interesting. I always love uh, kind of the vibe you bring to this to this show, and um, and I always enjoy talking to you. And you always stay up. You know, you're always up and upbeat. And um, how do you do it? How do you how do you see just so much division in the country? How do you see you know things like these riots happen, and you see and COVID numbers continue to keep going up? We're nearing you know a million people dead what what's your secret to keeping keeping going is it your faith yeah my faith is a huge part of it and bouncing off of my faith is the fact that I turn the news off 
and I focus <laughs> on my neighbors. So I cannot do much about what's going on in the world. I can't do anything about the riots. I can't do anything about any of that. But what I can do is I can give a couple eggs to my neighbor. What I can do is I can invite somebody out for coffee and have a nice little chit chat with them and catch up. I can show people I care. And that honestly brings me more happiness than anything. Well, that's good. That's good. Those are good words to live by there, I think. It's crazy. We, a lot of times, I think, get caught up in everyday worldly things. You know, what's new on the news? What did this person say? What's going on with that? And we really fail to acknowledge our neighbors in need who really need our support. Maybe they need a meal. Maybe they need just to be talked to, you know, maybe they need you to watch their kids for a weekend, you know, or something. Maybe they just need something. And um, I think we're turning a blind eye to our neighbors and really just being like, well, this is more important. And it, it's not. Our neighbors are very important. And if you take care of your neighbors, your neighbors will take care of you. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Well, what are we going to get into today? What's our topic? So today we are actually talking about why communion is reserved for practicing Catholics only. This is usually a really touchy sub like subject between Catholics and non-Catholics. So I'm kind of hoping to clear some things up for both parties. Well, good, good. So tell me, what def what defines the practicing catholic before we get into this like mm -hmm. what is what does that mean what what like i'm not just like a first time person walking into the to the church this is a practicing catholic would mean you've done what up to this point so basically, in order to be a practicing Catholic, you need to do, you have to receive communion at least once a year during the Easter season. And you have to go to confession before receiving communion. Obviously, <laughs> that's a huge one. Um, the next thing is, is I am almost, oh gosh, there was, there was a, um, there was a video I actually just watched about this. And for some reason, I'm blanking on a couple things, but um, you have to attend mass during the Easter season, receive communion and everything like that. Um, I mean, I want to Do you say, have to be, do you have to go through like RCIA programs or anything like that beforehand? So if you're a convert and you're not Catholic, then yes, everybody needs to go through an RCIA program and, um, kind of, and, and do that because that's where you gain knowledge about Catholicism and go through the Catholic church. If you're already, a Catholic though, um, then you have to go to confession and stuff like that. So if you are not a Catholic, but you want to convert into Catholicism, you have to go through the RCIA program, which is where they give you the sacraments. They teach you about Catholicism. And then it's about for, it's about a year. And then you get received into the Catholic church on Easter vigil. That's usually the the time when all converts come into the Catholic church and then you can go to confession, receive the Eucharist and do all that kind of stuff. Gotcha. Okay. Good, good, good. Good to know. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into this. Okay. Hear about it. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a big topic. It is a big topic. And I see a lot of people talk about it. And so the first thing I want to establish is that as Catholics, we take uh, John 6, 51 through 59, literally. So I'll read that for you. So for those who are not familiar with it, I am the living bread, which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. 
The Jews therefore strove among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Except you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you shall not have life in you. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath everlasting life, and I will raise him up in, on the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood abideth in me, and I in him. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, the same also shall live by me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth this bread shall live forever. So we take that literally. And I want to point out the fact that some people will say like, oh, he just meant that as like a metaphor or something. Well, if Jesus meant that as a metaphor instead of literally, he would have made sure that the people he said it to knew that he would have corrected his disciples and would not and wouldn't have let them um, teach his, you know, what he taught literally. Um, but he doesn't correct them. And throughout tradition, and we'll see through the early church fathers and their quotes and how they, um, in their writings, that they believed in the true presence of the Eucharist ever since. So that's basically where it starts, is that as Catholics, we believe in the true presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. So there's this whole thing where people get very confused about how that happens. Um, as Catholics, we believe that once the host is consecrated by a priest, it truly becomes the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Now, we call this um, transubstantiation, and it might still look like a piece of bread or it might still look like regular wine, but it is, in fact, become Jesus Christ. Um, and the, the, the Eucharist is a pinnacle of our faith as Catholics. Um, and actually in Matthew 26 through 28, Jesus establishes the sacrament of communion. Listen to this. And whilst they were at supper, Jesus took bread and blessed and broke and gave it to his disciples and said, take ye and eat. This is my body. And taking the chalice, he gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink ye all of this for this is my blood of the new Testament, which shall be shed for many unto remissions of sins. So we also take that Matthew 26 through 28, literally. Um, and so now that we've kind of established that and what Catholics believe as the Eucharist and that we believe it is Jesus Christ, this is the real kicker. Protestants cannot receive communion because they do not believe in Catholic teaching. Now, before we get all like, hussy-bussy about it. Let me explain. In Catholicism, there are theological diversities um, in certain areas, not in all areas, but in certain areas. However, we have these little things, thing, little, little thingies called dogmas, and there are 255 of them, and they are infallible, which means there is no error in them because of special divine intercession. Basically, these are rock-hard rules and they never change. And in order to be a Catholic, you need to believe and agree with all of them, which there are a lot. So it's really important you know all of these. And just to name a few, Mary's perpetual virginity, the sacraments, 
and the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. This is why converts and young Catholics brought up in the faith have to go through rigorous catechesis or RCIA programs. And although I know the church could do like a whole lot better on catechizing its members, young Catholics and converts still have to go through these classes to better understand the faith and why we believe the things we do, especially when it comes to the Eucharist. So that is super important. <laughs> um, but basically when you're in mass and you go and we go up for communion, the priest will hold up the Eucharist and he, he makes this, the cross with it, you know, and he goes and he says the body of Christ. And then the person who's receiving the Eucharist says, amen. When you say amen, it means so be it. I believe you are accepting all the teachings of the Catholic church, which means all the dogmas and all of that. However, because non-Catholics do not believe in the true presence of the Eucharist, unless they're Orthodox, that's different, whole other topic for another time. Um, or they don't believe in any other dogmas of the Catholic church, like papal infallibility and all of that stuff they cannot receive communion in good conscience and therefore they are being dishonest before God, which is a big no-no. <laughs> you don't want to do that. Um, so when non-Catholic, like when non-practicing Catholics, Catholics in mortal sin or non-Catholics receive Jesus, they are receiving him in an unworthy manner. This is why we always push people who are non-practicing or are in mortal sin to go to confession before receiving the Eucharist um, because you do not want to receive Jesus Christ in an unworthy manner. It is actually extremely dangerous for the souls of those who are not in communion with the church. See, in Corinthians, um, in 1 Corinthians 11, 26 through 27, it speaks of this. And keeping in mind that as Catholics, we take Jesus's words literally in John 6, 51 through 59 and Matthew 26 through 28. This is what 1 Corinthians 11, 26 through 27 states. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. In other words, by receiving the Eucharist in a dishonest way, you are profaning Jesus Christ, which is insanely damaging to the soul. It is such a bad sin. It is a mortal sin. It is terrible. So we just, we're really trying to protect people who are not in communion with the church. Now, of course, we still do see non-Catholics as our brothers and sisters. However, because they have divided from us and the religion that Jesus Christ established in 33 AD, they are separated from us and therefore cannot receive communion for the reasons stated above. Now, because of this, I have gotten many comments and talks and stuff from friends and strangers and stuff that they think the Catholic Church is controlling or exclusive. Um, but let's take a little trip back in memory lane into the Old Testament, shall we? Now, the Old Testament is meant to be read in a typology type way, which means it prefaces the New Testament. So like how Mary is 
the new Eve and the new Ark of the Covenant, there are parallels between the two that link them as being similar. So that's how we know. Now, in the Old Testament, you could not receive any part of God's blessings of the Ark of the Covenant or anything unless you were circumcised and did all the proper offerings to be fully a part of God's church at that time. If you did not do these things, you could not be saved. God is extremely clear that he has specific ways he wants to be followed and he wants to be worshiped. It's his terms, not ours. And the Catholic Church has held fast to all the terms. And while it organically moves forward in the world, the religion of Catholicism does not change. We have dogmas. Those things never change because God does not change. And above, I mentioned the early church fathers. And I would kind of like to share a couple quotes um, with you now about the Eucharist. So in 150 AD, St. Justin Martyr said, uh, said, this food we call the Eucharist, of which no one is allowed to partake except one who believes that the things we teach are true and has received the washing for forgiveness of sins and for rebirth and who lives as Christ handed down to, uh, handed down to us. For we do not receive these things as common bread or common drink. But as Jesus Christ, our Savior, being incarnate by God's word, took flesh and blood for our salvation, so also we have been taught that the food consecrated by the word of prayer, which comes from him, from which our, our flesh and our blood are nourished by transformation, is the flesh and blood of the incarnate. So this is 150 AD. Okay, now we're going to go even earlier. We're going to go into 90 AD of St. Ignatius of Antioch, who is dear, dear friends with St. Uh, Polycarp, if you guys are familiar with him. And so this is what St. Ignatius of Antioch states. Consider how contrary to the mind of God are the <clears throat> heterodox in regard to the grace of God, which he has come to us. They abstain from the Eucharist and from prayer because they do not admit that the Eucharist is the flesh of our Savior, Jesus Christ, the flesh, the flesh which suffered for our sins and which the Father in his graciousness raised from the dead. So that was uh, 90 AD. That was pretty early, pretty early. <laughs> um, there's a couple other that I really love, such as... Um, Okay, in 950, um, sorry, in 350 AD, uh, St. Cyril of Jerusalem states, since then he himself has declared and said of the, of the bread, this is my body, who shall dare to doubt it any longer? And since he has affirmed and said, this is my blood, who shall ever hesitate saying that is not his blood? Amazing quotes. And then... St. Augustine of Hippo in 400 AD, he states, you ought to know what you have received, what you are going to receive and what you ought to receive daily. That bread which you see on the altar, having been sanctified by the word of God in the body of Christ, the chalice or rather what, it, what is in the chalice, having been sanctified by the word of God is the blood of Christ. 
Obviously, there are hundreds of early church father quotes and writings defending the Eucharist, but these specific ones are my favorite. Overall, there are specific reasons why we have rules in place. They are to protect those who do not have the fullness of the Catholic faith. It is so important that people are educated and know what they are saying yes to by saying amen. You are saying yes to all of this. And if you truly don't believe that, the last thing I want is for my brothers and sisters to be dishonest or unjust before God. And if you feel like you need the Eucharist in your life, consider becoming Catholic. Take an RCIA program at your nearest church or at least study what Catholicism truly is about. Because as the uh, venerable Archbishop Fulton Sheen once said, there are not 100 people in the United States who hate the Catholic Church, but there are millions who hate what they wrongly perceive the Catholic Church to be. And I think that is more true today than in any other century. And so that is why only Catholics, practicing Catholics, can receive the Eucharist. Wow. <laughs> so much I didn't know there. That was so thorough. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. You know, I had other questions, but you answered them all as, as we went along. So oh, I'm glad I, I'm glad I, I don't have them. I don't have much to uh, to contribute really at the end here. But um, but really amazing. So much stuff I didn't know there is always so many technicalities. Well, within the Catholic Church, but between religions, too. Yes. So to think about particularly what interests me is the, the conversion of people over to another religion and uh, and. I think probably the most I know about it is when people get married and they get married to someone, you know, is a Baptist is going to marry a Catholic. Well, you, right. <laughs> you've got to, you've got to take classes and, and come right. over, you know? Right. And, uh, and I always find all that fascinating, but really th this was stuff that I've never really looked into that much. I think it's really important, especially for new Catholics to know. And I see a lot of, um, Catholics who maybe aren't as strong in their faith as they think they are, or maybe they perceived wrong things about the Catholic Church, as Fulton Sheen used to say. Um, and it's really important that we aren't just going off of what somebody else has said. Even, even the stuff that I said, I highly suggest you do your own research and you look into it. Just don't go off of what I say, what I say or what your pastor says or anything. Obviously, we want to trust the people that are telling us these things, but it is also important for us to go to the roots. And that's why I added in all of these quotes from the early church fathers, because these go back to 90 AD, even, even earlier. But I didn't include some of those because otherwise this list would be like 40 pages long. Right. Um, <laughs> but it's one of those things where you have to look back at the roots, at Jewish tradition. What did Jesus do? And a lot of people don't know this, but actually it's Jewish tradition for those who come to a house and have a feast, the Last Supper. And Jesus actually fed them by hand because that is Jewish tradition. It was Jewish tradition for you to feed your guests by hand. So when he dipped that bread in the wine, he actually hand gave it to his disciples. It's just amazing how much history and stuff is just looked over. And it's so sad. That's why I think it's just so important to do that early research. For sure. For sure. And there's so many sources probably people can get this from. If oh, anyone yeah. has questions about 
this uh, particular podcast or have or what or want Amber to go into so much more detail, you should send her an email at the religious hippie at gmail.com. And actually, if you go to our anchor uh, page, you can actually leave a voice message. So generally, any questions or comments, you can leave those in those places. Yes, absolutely. I would love to hear from people. Did you have uh, did you have anything you want to take us out with today? You know, for all of those out there that are struggling right now, just know that I am praying for you. And I hope this helps you or maybe somebody you know really kind of start to think about how important the Eucharist truly is to Catholics. And maybe you've met somebody who's pushed back on you for for not being able to receive the Eucharist. And maybe you can send them this podcast and maybe they could understand it a little bit deeper. But that is basically all I have for you guys today. So Todd, thank you so much for being here with me. No problem. We'll be back again in two weeks. Yes, we will. I'm very excited. And with all of that being said, I hope you all have an amazing rest of your day, night, or afternoon. And I will be talking to you guys in the next podcast. Bye. questions or comments about today's episode, email me at thereligioushippie at gmail.com or leave a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash thereligioushippie. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to A Catholic's Perspective with Amber Rose, The Religious Hippie. Please be sure and rate and review this podcast. This podcast is copyright. Any previously trademarked or copyright content is used by permission. Be sure to like and follow The Religious Hippie on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok, or visit her official website at TheReligiousHippie.com. This podcast is produced by Todd Fisher and distributed by Metacortex Publishing. And be sure to visit Metatomics.org to see our listings of other unique podcasts.